0: Enjoy local voices, enjoy local opinions, all on one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast DC is the new local app with hundreds of DC area podcasts, featuring some of the DC area's best personalities, pundits, and provocateurs. Earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts you love instantly. With new programs being added every week, don't hesitate. Download Podcast DC now for free. Available in the App Store or in Google Play. Podcast DC. Listen local
1: say it loud network presents corner table talk well hello again and welcome to corner table talk today i am so honored and uh, excited to have as my guest mr esai morales what's happening esai
2: mr brad jobson how are you everything everything's happening uh how are you yeah
1: i'm doing great man thank you all things considered you know healthy and above ground is a is a good day how about yourself that's
2: what i say that's what i say i'm alive so that's a good start um how how are these trying times
1: you know man it's um i mean we're this is a restaurant hospitality food culture podcast so you know i come from the restaurant industry isai and and that's where i've Mm -hmm. spent my whole life so of course, this past year has just been devastating uh, for, for restaurants, particularly for, for small business owners. So, you know, it, it's rough, man. I mean, I sold our last place uh, the summer of 2019 to our to our chef who's been trying to navigate his way through the openings and closings and health conditions and concerns. And man, it has not been easy Um how, how has it affected you work-wise, travel-wise? Well,
2: oddly enough, um, it has not been easy psychologically, uh, but it, I, I can't explain it. There's a blessing that uh, I feel like I'm, I'm enjoying. And uh, that was in February. I was, I was off to Puerto Rico to shoot a little gem of an indie uh, for five weeks or so. I thought that turned into five months and in the middle or... Yeah, just about when we were going to finish about eight to nine more days of shooting, our production, which had been one of the only ones still working in the whole of the United States, we like two or three we We're left. We finally had to, uh, to, you know, join everyone else's lockdown. And um, in the middle of that lockdown, they get a call saying, hey, when can you get on a, on a plane? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not finished with this. It Find out immediately. So I got into this whole thing. And I said, why? I go, there's a very big job that wants to hire you, but only if you're not under any other contract. Because their actor had just had to step out because of the lockdowns and the delays he he was contracted to do something else and so there's an opening i'm like really but for what and they said mission impossible and i'm like get out (laughs) so (laughs) oddly enough um i got the biggest gig of my life in a sense or in many many years uh on this lockdown so I have to be doubly blessed um not only to be healthy but also to be working and uh that's the one two punch right there you know uh
1: lots to unpack just in that little bit that that you gave us and I want to come back to a couple of things but uh, so you mentioned that you were shooting in Puerto Rico um I know that you are of Puerto Rican descent where where in Puerto Rico were you shooting E and, and how was that experience I know Puerto Rico is kind of gone through a bit in the last few years, to say the least. But what, what was that experience like? And where, where in Puerto Rico were you shooting?
2: Well, we were in the general uh, San Juan area, the metropolitan area, in certain little um, artsy outskirts of, of there. Um A little independent film called Simone, based on a novel uh, that won awards from a Puerto Rican writer about a professor who um, who's kind of lost in life. Who's he's really a writer, but he's teaching at a college and happens to fall in love with a student there and uh, an older student that's you know studying writing and uh, not much older though than usual. Twenty six year old here in my in my tender age, I, I get offered this thing and I read it and it's pretty hot and steamy and romantic. I thought, well, what the hell. Well, I still have something left here. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me go for it. It's been a minute since I've been, uh, playing, playing between the sheets. <laughs> That's so uh, on film anyway. So uh, I, I I took this and what was it? You'd asked me uh, where was it and what was it? What was the other question? Yeah, yeah. just
1: just how it felt to be in Puerto Rico and with with the the, oh, yeah. the difficulties that the country that Puerto Rico's had in the last few years. I mean, did you did you get a sense of anything different there than maybe what you well, experienced in the past?
2: Oddly enough, I had, I had signed on to do this movie years ago, and just to kind of help it get made and stuff and uh one of the other reasons was because i wanted to be near my mom who was in a nursing facility in puerto rico so i wanted to visit her more but sadly in 2019 in may she passed and uh and then you know we still had the movie to make so it was a bit of a okay this is a risk you know um but what the heck i'll do it it was amazing there um i was there during the hurricane or before and after and um it's recovered a lot, but not completely. So there's still a feeling of building back from a war torn vibe, but. Puerto Rico was always going to have uh, energy that says, hey, no matter where we are, we got time to enjoy our lives. We have time to party. I don't know if you're from the Caribbean as well or, or whatnot, but it's a Caribbean thing that, you know, other people around the world share as well. But it's just this it's a very festive um, place. So whether whether or not you're rebuilding or it's been always good, you know, the people uh, have a, a joie de vie, a joy of life that is uh, very, very uh, infectious. And, and you kind of you love it. I I love shooting there. There's a certain energy. I mean, look, as a person of color, you understand what it's like feeling like other sometimes. In Puerto Rico, I don't get that feeling, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like for folks who go back to the homeland, wherever that homeland is or was. I mean, I think Dave Chappelle talked about going to Africa and not feeling, you know, other, you know, and, and there's that kind of like you're back home. You know, people look like you here, too. They sound like you. As a matter of fact, you're the Yankee. You know? <laughs> you're, that, that's the trip, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're the Yankee over there. And uh, but it's an incredible place. I wonder You know, I go, well, I know the U.S. loves Puerto Rico. They might not like Puerto Ricans, but they love the island. They love the natural beauty. And um, and who knows? I mean, many folks get us and other folks don't. And I can understand that sometimes because we are a little bit we're way out. You know, we're out there. Um, We have our own thing, which is a mixture of, you know, Afro-European and native bloodlines. So we're, we're quite the mix. And uh very resourceful people. So it was a great, it was, it was a great experience. I got to say for five months, I couldn't have been in a better place. I was uh, on a condo right by the beach. I would sneak out at night, dodge the cops and go swimming in the ocean at night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, there's not a lot of things that challenge your fear, you know, like Mm -hmm. swimming in the ocean in the middle of the night. Where you don't know what it was that you felt swim past you. I mean, I'm talking like, there were times I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm back. Just like, you know, you swam for the shore. I don't care. I don't care if the cops arrest me. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get eaten alive in the ocean and then nobody find the body kind of thing. I said, so I, I ended up making friends with somebody there, a tourist from Finland, really cool person who I thought was homeless. And, wow. uh, and we started talking, and and he was in the same boat, and you know stuck there because of travel. So he became, we became each other's like lookouts, you know, and we'd watch out for the cops, and and then we'd go. But I, I needed to swim. I needed to swim. I needed to get back in touch with the water, with the ocean, you know. In the day, I would try to get as much sunlight as possible because what they don't tell you, and I think is a crime, that uh, vitamin D deficiency is the number one co you know factor of the folks that are dying vitamin D we're we're like 70 percent of the population is deficient in vitamin D and if you're a person of color at all but especially if you're black you need twice the sunlight you need twice the D from foods than you know folks with lighter skin well they need about 20 minutes a day so you know when when you don't when you tell people to stay indoors and wear masks and do all these things that seem to make sense on the outside for me it's counterintuitive if you know real elf and real science so I don't know I don't want to take this whole podcast over into the, into the the twilight zone but I'll put it to you this way a friend of mine won the Nobel Prize when he was alive for inventing PCR and I have a lot more to say about that at a, at a future point. If they don't kill me, <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> well, we don't you know what I me mean, you, man. Yes, I, yeah. I no, do. I'm just saying. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I want to um, step back first. I want to offer you my condolences uh, for the loss of of your mom. And um, I lost my mom in 2017. And uh, you know, I oh, was not, nothing. My mama's like that. boy. And that's a painful one, man. So my oh, my dude. deepest uh, sympathies to you,
2: man. Thank you. Yeah, and my hair standing out right now. Yeah, mama's boy, that's what I was too, man, you know. Yeah, man. Don't don't nobody love you like your mama. <laughs> no. Okay? No no question, man.
1: Um oh my God. So yeah, a, a few things. So I just want to kind of um highlight, uh, you know, this is a a, a restaurant, hospitality, culture, food related podcast. But when, you know, mm. I talk to to folks like you, man, who have such a just the deepness in terms of your experiences, your understanding, your background, um, for folks that, uh, are, would recognize Esai, uh, from, from so many things, man, I had no idea Esai, you, you started, I mean, you, you attended the performing arts school in, in Manhattan, but oh. in your career, and I don't even know if you've counted brother, but over 60 television appearances, over 50 movie appearances, going back to, to 83 and Bad Boys, um, right up through Ozark and now Mission Impossible. Yeah, I mean, that's that's phenomenal, man. I mean, an unbelievable career and a very busy one. You are blessed,
2: sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen to that. Um, I have to say, getting back to your foodie situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am a foodie. I am a foodie. And the problem is that if you're going to work in films, man, you cannot you cannot give in to that meal. We have a mutual friend that gets me to eat and drink wine <laughs> like nobody's business. And then sometimes like, I can't hang with you, man. I got to cut weight because, you know, the camera adds, you know, it's, it's a flat uh, medium and it adds kind of like five to 10 pounds. In some cases, 15 pounds to your look. So. I'm not as tall as you, Brad. So my, you know, weight goes on very quickly for me. So it's always been a bit of a struggle. And uh, who knows, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe I would have done better if I would have just Brad pitted it up, you know, and just had that stomach that he had in, the, in, in, in Thelma and Louise. And, you know, that was like cinematic history for, for, for men and working out. It was like, OK, everybody said, OK, the game has changed now. You know, he just took it to another level. And I, well, was I, I think
1: it. your female friends, east side would 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 disagree. <laughs> I think they probably would say you've done just about everything right. So,
2: <laughs> well, thank you. It always feels like that. I'll tell you this much, Brad, it always feels like um, on the outside, people like, man, you've been working on, you know, amazingly. And yet on the inside, I will tell you, I'll go I'll go real deep and dark. There were times where um, I was wondering how I was going to feed my family. And I was wondering, like, what my benefits to them would be if I die. Literally, no matter how much you work, you cannot. Like when you see people out there, you go, man, I wish I was that person. And you don't know. You don't know what a person's going through on the inside while on the outside everything looks fine. That's you know so that.
1: true. That's so true man. You know, I that's that's one of my my challenges and you know I, I've been listening to speaking of podcasts. I'm a big fan of one called 10% happier. And, mm. uh, gentleman Dan Harris is a, an ABC news correspondent and suffered a, a not a, quite a nervous breakdown, but an anxiety attack on the air several mm. years ago. And so he started this podcast and he gets into Buddha, Buddhism and mindfulness and all of that. And one of the segments was about, uh, comparing yourself to other people and why that's so detrimental and, and just, when you're out here in the world, and especially you know we've we both i'm a New Yorker I'm a native New Yorker, so having grown up there, but also spent time in Los Angeles like yourself, and you know we we go out to some of the same places and we see people that have had tremendous success in my opinion, you've had tremendous success, but yet here you are saying that yeah there there have been some struggles that have come with that success as well. How do you deal with that isa how do you how do you self talk um, your, your, yourself out of that envy comparison
2: frame of mind? Man, it, it's hard. It's hard. Hollywood is an industry dedicated to the illusion of glamour, success, um, sex appeal. I mean, I got to tell you, it wasn't always easy, but it's much easier now. When I was very young and we, we saw each other out and about there, I would feel like, especially being an actor and who had some you know, uh, notoriety, right? Uh, I would feel like if I didn't come home with somebody amazing and great, I wasn't all that. I would see, I would go to the clubs, right? And I'd be all lonely and single and like, you don't want to admit that, right? But you're like, man, I wish I had somebody to cuddle up with right now and just kind of like just pour all this love that I have in me. You know, most of us out there, we really just looking to love and be loved. And it gets turned into this more kind of transactional like meat market vibe. But the reality is we all want intimacy. We all want to feel like we're cocooned up with somebody special who sees us and who gets us. But in the meantime, who's out there? It's like, (laughs) who's out there? How can I get my love on? How can I get my, you know, look at all this. Come on, don't let this go to waste feeling. And man, I would be so depressed so many times where I just did not want to lower the, uh, you know, the bar too much, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, after a while, I realized the envy that I would feel when I would see certain people just coming up. there's, There's one actor that I saw in a wonderful indie movie from Spain and I thought he was wonderful. And I'm not, you know, in that vibe, like jealous vibe. So I'm like, man, I went to a screening at a studio and I asked the actor, and he barely spoke English. And I said, listen, whatever you need, if you wanna, you know, if you need any help with English or, or auditions or anything, you let me know. Yeah, yeah, we we never really talk much. Then again I saw that actor get blown up by uh, by Madonna in a thing and then blown up in all these movies. Next thing you know Homie could help me, <laughs> you know. And here I was, I'm like, hang on a second, you know. Here I am thinking I'm the established guy. I've been around. I can show you the ropes. Who turned out to be Antonio Banderas, who did not need my help. Hello, and in, and in a certain case, uh, actually replaced me in talks for a film that I think he was wonderful in. And because the film was so successful, I thought, okay, well, you know, I can't see anyone else in there. Uh, so you know, good for him, but. I know I could have done something, too, in that, but maybe it was just meant to be. That's what a lot of people don't realize. You know, just because you don't get what you want doesn't mean you don't get what you need. Absolutely. You see what I mean? Yeah, man. So, yeah. you know, when he went off and did Zorro, you know, they were talking to me about doing Zorro. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, you know, the Blade of Zorro, you know, and, uh, and uh, they were talking about me and, and, and having Sean Connery play the older man, you know, the older, uh, his, his uh, mentor. Which became Anthony Hopkins, who was also wonderful with Antonio. So, you know, it took a lot of being burned. I said, let's 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 bring it back to food. It took a lot of burnt meals (laughs) before you can make your masterpiece. Right in the in the race yeah. room. Yeah. Did you start yeah. out automatically killing it with everything you did? You Sometimes know, you get lucky.
1: Yeah. No. I'm I'm sorry to to, to interrupt. No. I I think that uh, you know they they say that you learn as much from your failures as you do from your successes. Of course. I'd success. say you learn more. Yeah. I, I wouldn't you disagree. Learn more from your more failures. pain in the failure, but uh, yeah. definitely more opportunity to learn.
2: That's right. And and the funny thing is I, I have a, 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 you know, an ism that I tell people. I go, listen, the key to failure is don't let it define you, but rather let it refine you. Mm. And and that's the difference between people who fail in life and people who use failure as fuel.
1: Mm. You making I'm me saying? bust out my pen here, man. I'm writing that down. So don't let it define you. It's going to refine you that, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna segue here to a little uh a little a little just part and just to, to take a break almost. But mm-hmm. I call this little segment short order to use a restaurant <laughs> reference for kind of fast food. Give me, my fire yeah. a couple of couple of quick ones at you and just get your your quick response in terms of questions. So, Esai Morales, your favorite meal?
2: <laughs> I don't think I could say that on the air. Um, <laughs> Ah, exotic, exotic. Uh, My favorite meal. Is there one? I mean, lasagna captures a lot. Lasagna. It's It's one of those things where if you put a lot in front of me, I will not stop until it's all gone. So I just love lasagna. I love this I love the cheeses the pasta the meat the sauces I would be a vegetarian but I feel like I'm a no negative blood type so I crave meat on a cellular level even though it's good to take a break you know and like clean your filters mm. uh, my favorite meal dude anything with our mutual friend where we go out to eat you know I love yes. sushi I love mm-hmm. I mean it, it's just like your your favorite Stevie Wonder song, or Beatles song, or you know, like what's the, it's like? It, there's what's your favorite hair follicle? You know, <laughs> I love it all. Papa. I love it all. Uh, it's, it's, I, I it's, eat it's, in a food frenzy, you know. I, yeah. I, 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 literally, I saw a movie many years ago with uh, Matt Dillon in it called Flamingo Kid. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, from the eighties. Do. Mm-hmm. do you remember that he was like from the wrong side of town? So when he eat, he was like, mm, mm, mm. that's. I, I saw that movie and it gave me license to like moan when I eat. I love it. That's why our, it. our mutual friend loves to take me. I go, man, you eat. You don't
1: leave your food. No, he's he's very generous with those meals. Um, (laughs) And it's, you know, lasagna. My my mom was Italian. My dad was black. So Mm. her lasagna would have rocked your world.
2: Yeah, mama. Yeah. You know, you know what's up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So next question. What is a typical breakfast
2: for you? Oh, man. I like to, especially if I'm working and I have to lose weight, I like to skip breakfast. But when I eat breakfast, eggs with anything, eggs and cheese, uh, sausage, uh, just, uh, and, and then when I'm being healthy, oatmeal with fruit on it, very good stuff. Uh, I hear when I want to clear my system out, if I have my, do um, you take the, your cholesterol too high, mm. I eat melon. And only one kind. You don't mix your melons. You eat melon and then any other food after 20 minutes. Melon will like kickstart your system and really just do re- uh, wonders. your cholesterol and other things. What kind of melon, Isai? There's watermelon, cantaloupe, and honeydew, and then there's this Mm. other one from South America. They're very similar. And the key with melons is not to mix them because they they contain certain principles that counteract each other or other fruits. So melon, eat it alone or leave it alone was the rule that I had learned from this natural hygiene person, by the way, which I should tell you about. Because after I did a series called NYPD Blue, I had a little time on my hands and I went to a cabin in Pennsylvania in like 2004 or something or three. And I fasted. Well, first you go on a a transition diet with steamed rice and veggies and fruits. And then you go to fruits and you just eat fruits for a few days. And then I went to fruit juices for a few days. And then I did a five-day water fast, just water with some drops of lemon in it for your electrolytes. And oh, my God, the detoxing that I did there added years to my life and made me look younger at the end of this, you know, a few weeks that I spent there, the whites of my eyes became clearer. You know, that's part of what fasting does to you. It it gives your body the time and energy to heal itself because once you stop retoxing, which is often what a lot of food is because, you know, we're putting so many things that may not always be good for our system into our bodies, so once you stop retoxing, your body goes into overdrive detoxing. Mm-hmm. And my gosh, it was just amazing. I mean, we you know, the wake up in the morning, they she takes your blood pressure, checks your tongue and your eyes and and then you just drink water first thing in the day drink water 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 hydrate yourself and it gets your digestive system going and then you eat fruits and for lunch you have a big salad And for dinner you have a big salad with good fats with avocados man it's uh, it, it's, it's all you know really good and, and it changed my life I mean it made me lighter it made me more spiritual it made me feel like um, another person more true to myself. So every once in a while, when you feel like you're, you're being overwhelmed, you just you just stop eating. And when you eat, you eat living foods, foods with energy as opposed to foods that have been overly cooked. You know, steam well, your vegetables. Don't yeah, make yeah. them rubbery. They have to still snap. Um, last meal you, oh, you made family. for your daughter. Oh, my gosh. What did I make for my I think I made them steak when when they were in Puerto Rico. Because when they visited me, guess who learned how to cook for himself in the lockdowns? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would <Right>? be you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. There's so steak. Go ahead. It's so weird. Yeah, but, but this friend of mine once came over to my house and he whipped up the steak sauce like out of like nothing. I was like, what? That's like a restaurant quality steak sauce. And how did you do that? He goes, oh, you took some butter, you put this and you put that and a little this and then lemon and this. I'm like, wow. So I, I started experimenting at home and I came up with some, so I don't even have names for it. It was like, mm, mm. Mm hmm. You know, those are like my three sauces. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I I just love sharing with them. Food is so weird because I always thought you had to follow the book by, you know, a pinch of salt can only be a pinch and certain measurements have to be exact. But it's a feel. It's a flow. It's like jazz. Like, you know, chefs who cook are like musicians. They will take a pot and a pan and make music with it, you know, with ingredients. They, They will improvise. They will throw things together like a jazz musician will. You know what I mean? The, the, Absolutely. The, there, are, there are no rules when it comes to food except it has to be good or taste good, you know?
1: Yeah, even At if it looks tasty. pretty and doesn't taste good, that doesn't quite work. You know, that's taste, right. Exactly. Taste, yeah.
2: taste. And, and, then, and then after taste, a very close second should be Is this nourishment or is this a drug? Because unfortunately, many things, including food, are used as drugs, as you can see by our obesity epidemic. Um, And I don't think it's just food uh, as far as food by itself, but the chemicals in foods. I noticed that when I leave the United States, when I went to Brazil to visit my girlfriend's family, I would eat. And they put food, you know, Brazilians don't play it. They put food in front of you and you better eat it. And I gained five pounds, but that's it. And plateaued Mm -hmm. at five pounds. Where back in the state. That would have been 10 to 15 on any other day. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the chicken I was eating was running around the yard (laughs) earlier. Mm -hmm. And there's a freshness to food that when you eat processed food, they don't design it for your body. They design it for their pocketbook. You understand that? That that
1: we're going to touch on a little bit when we talk about uh, the movie that you did fast food nation, but I'm going to, I'm going to come to that in a second. So next question person that you would like to most have a drink with past or present
2: man so many people so many people but i gotta say man that that's a lot but john lennon man john lennon was was a spiritual father for me in a sense through the music of the beatles when i ran away from home at 13 and all i had was uh, my beatles cassettes their music you know uh really was a lot of the soundtrack to my growing up and he was a Libra. He was a tortured soul whose uh, music reflected that pain It was part of the beauty. It was part of the reason why I knew that you could take losing your mom early in life like he did and the the, the, the pain of his life and, and turn it into music for others, turn it into inspiration. The, the song Help. I mean, mm-hmm. when have you ever heard such a raw cry for help? Mm-hmm. I mean, things like that, which today I, I just don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I there are greats today that in twenty thirty years I'll be looking back and going, man, when Justin came out with that, you know, <laughs> whether yeah. it's uh, Beaver or or whatever, you right, know, or, or right. like you know, that that Drake you know, cut was
1: really man, that yeah. just Dude, <laughs> not quite the same. <laughs> yeah.
2: you know? it's
1: not okay. what's going
2: on. Yeah, no. God see, what's going on? That's another one there. Okay. Yeah. Marvin Gay, I mean yeah. right there. Yeah. Stevie, who's still alive, whose daughter I'm, you know, on and off friends with because I had haven't talked to her to her in a while. But when I was in town a lot I took uh I took this gal to uh I said, You gotta hear this music and she came along with some friends and, and I was like, Would your dad be interested in playing with these guys? He goes, Yeah, he might but then he started getting sick, so but Stevie Wonder I mean, songs are the key of life as mm. my like 14 year, you know, like, a, oh, my God, there's just so many, though. That's again, it's one of those trick questions that cause my daughter would ask me, what's your favorite color? I'm like, oh, girl, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a younger, you know, when I was a kid, it was easier to pick. But once you live a long life and you see. And you go in and out of phases it's hard to pick one no i'm
1: with you man i'm with you so isa you grew up in uh in brooklyn and um i wanted to touch on your mom again because you know in reading a little bit about you and about her i see that she was a union activist with the with the garment workers union um you know you were exposed to that kind of activism early on and as i as i alluded to a few minutes ago you referred to yourself or at least in some of the things i read as an activist mm-hmm. which i you know can certainly understand what that term means but but tell me a little bit about that your what what it was like around your mom did that was that your inspiration for your activism and and what does activism actually mean to you
2: well that that's a that's a deep question uh, the older i've gotten now mm-hmm. and uh at one point in my life, it would have been a much easier, simpler question to answer. And now with all that's going on and what's been happening the last four years, it's changed a lot. And um, my mother was, I believe, the strongest influence, as as well as people like John Lennon, who were activists against the war Vietnam and other social ills. I remember listening to my mom while I played with my little toy car sets, talk to other people for like long times on the phone about how to avoid their abusers, how to get away, how to, you know, whether it's a boss, a a lover or a bad relationship, how to stand up for yourself. No, no, no. You have to, and it's just, it's just like a tape playing in the background of your mind where I wasn't listening to the specific storylines, but they were falling on my, like in my consciousness, justice, you know, fairness, um that's why you know I'm a I'm a board member of the Screen Actors Guild even though I'm very frustrated with that I'm frustrated with politics today I've been a long a lifelong liberal democrat bleeding heart my whole life and now I've become rather Oddly conservative in my older years, which doesn't mean that I follow everything the conservative sides or Republicans do. But man, I got to tell you, I'm very disappointed in politics in general. I'm very, very disappointed in my home team and the amount of propaganda, myths and disinformation on both sides. But most importantly, what's, what's driven me away from my traditional views has been the intolerance, the left. The intolerance of cancel culture. They don't want to just, you know, spank you. Oh, they want to stop you from ever making a living. They want to stop you from ever getting paid again. And there's no... There's no redemption in that. And I and I know that it comes from a good place where people want to right the wrongs of the past. But I think you can overdo it. I think you can overstep. And I found that my conversations with certain people on certain sides of the spectrum have become different. And I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed in groupthink. I'm disappointed in media, how all our media is basically bundled into like four or five, I mean, five or six Mega corporations and they all think alike. There's a lockstep that if you don't think like they do, you're pretty much on the outs. You're weird. And the fact is that, you know, facts come and go, but reality is, you know, I mean, they say you can have your own, you're entitled to your own opinion, but not your own facts. But right now, facts are being questioned. Are they facts? Is this the truth? Are you sure? Who's paying for that study? You know, wait, wait, who's making money behind the scenes here? We don't we don't check. So I'm I'm a reluctant activist now. I've pulled back from a lot of my usual things because I've learned that a lot of the scripts But I was reading, assuming they all did their homework. I was selling something else. I was selling an agenda without knowing it. And I got to be really careful. Now, Now, I I barely do these podcasts anymore because right now, something you say here innocently or trying to have fun or make a joke or laugh old school like what you and I used to laugh at Mm -hmm. to get you canceled today in a minute.
1: And I recognize like, that that risky sign. I and I you know again I, I thank you for, for doing this. But no, you 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 know you're you're absolutely right. And I want to go to a to a film that you did several years ago and and I you know I'm grateful that uh, I have a chance to talk to you because I had seen this movie several years ago, but I revisited it knowing that I was gonna speak with you today, and it's called Fast Food Nation and it's basically just a really just an indictment on the fast food industry and how it, it it has impacted the way that we consume from everything from what we eat to global warming to immigrant issues and i mean so many things that i'm i'm sure must be you know very close to your heart tell me just give me your sense of of you know when you, when you did that film were you of the mindset did it inform you in any way did you did you feel like after that you took a look at the fast food industry in a different way
2: well interestingly enough i had already felt that I had already been there so when i read that script i'm like finally somebody with the cojones as they say to 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 write about this stuff i mean i don't know what the the pg rating for your audience is but it's literally talking about shit in your food. You know what I mean? In a literal and a symbolic way. And we are what we eat. And I've known that. And, you know, when they say a lot of people are full of it. Yeah, they are in so many ways. You have no idea. But food is the number one medicine. Food, if it's not healing you, it's hurting you. Or it's just keeping you, you know, it's just delaying the inevitable. But food is one of the most important things you can ingest. If, if, if not the most important and the quality of your food should be as high as possible, because I think there's a there's a war. There's war. It's called low intensity conflict, L.I.C. And I learned about this in the like, you know, studying about the wars that we had, you know, we got rid of slavery in the United States, but enslaved the rest of the continent below us. You know, uh, if you think about our corporations, how they've had their way with people south of our borders and how much power the American, you know, corporate and food agribusiness, they have a lot of power. So at the end of the day, I think clearer. I make better decisions when I eat better. So just doing that movie to me was like, yeah, you got it. I'll play a bad guy. You know, I'll play a bad guy in a good movie. I'm not going to play bad guys just to be bad. You know, I I have an issue with that being a person of color going, okay, uh, am I going to be there step and fetch it? Am I going to be the person who's going to make all of our people look bad? But not necessarily. If the movie is good and he's not bad because he's a person of color, but he has his reasons, then I'll I'll take that character on. So I played a uh, a cheesy manager of a uh, of a fast food joint who's just not on the same level and who believes that you know the girl who's standing up for herself she's missing out on an opportunity she could be the manager one day. And it's like <laughs> you know people come at you with their own ideas of success uh, to lure you and they don't they, they they don't even perceive that you're not even on that same frequency anymore. And that's what I love about this movie. And so many. Big people just p- pitching together to say, hey, there's something in your food and you're not aware of it. And it's important. And if we don't clean this up, we're contributing to our society's demise. So fast yeah. food nation, man. Big, big. Yeah. Big. Movie. I'm glad you said,
1: you know, we keep coming back to and, and I don't mind elaborating a little bit more on, you know, the, the the impact that diet has on our overall health and, you know, the the. Gut health um trend, oh, I think, oh. is starting to really get some some airwaves oh, deservedly. Yes. So, are you are you hip to that, man?
2: Oh my God! You know, again, I'm getting goosebumps. Gut health is 70 to 80 percent of your overall health. Because think about it: where do most things that come in from outside of your body come through? It's through your mouth, depending on your peculiarities. And so, I'm saying, you know, because people take medications in many different forms, but the mouth is like from your salivary glands, uh, your stomach acids, your intestines. I mean, it goes through a process. So your immune system is very, very much resident in your gut because it has to filter through. It has to eat. It processes. There are bacteria in in all of our stomachs or intestines that create B15 or, you know, certain vitamins, you know, B, I think B12 to B something, they're there. They're created only in your gut bacteria. So um, there's so much more that we're learning. That's why I tend to go for natural foods. I say, listen, mm-hmm. I supplement as much as I can when it's possible you also have to take a break from supplements you don't want to overload your body but there are certain things you can only get through nature right why because when i was a kid back in the 1900s as you will recall Mm -hmm. i remember when one a day had all the vitamins and they only went up to like five or six you know what i mean it seemed like there were only you know the, the alphabet only went up to K or something. Now they got vitamin D and vitamin this and that. And, and they have bioflavonoids and CoQ10. They didn't have that when I was a kid. So it wasn't as complete as they thought it was. You know what i You get your full complete, your complete vitamins and minerals. Baloney. There's so much more to food. We're just discovering. And so that's why I don't rely... On man-made diet alone, I have to have a lot of nature in me, a lot of leafy greens. There's a reason why the colors of the rainbow are the way they are. They all represent different um, you know phytochemicals and you know plant things like orange beta carotenes um, with your oranges and yellows, blues, you know, uh, brain foods, the dark blues, reds. you know, they all have specific qualities. And if all food or all good food was the same color, you'd get deficiencies. So they're yeah. they're they're colored differently so that you make sure, hey, man, I've got enough greens today. Greens you should have every day. Have I got enough reds. You know, am I getting deep purple Am my blues? You know, get yeah. your colors, get your rainbows because they all fulfill a purpose.
1: Yeah. I don't think you can have a, a intelligent conversation these days about food without talking about the, the necessities that we really have kind of overlooked in our indulgences and our need to get things quickly, fast food and all of that. But, you know, you that the, the fast food nation also, for me, uh, resonated on a, on a few other levels. And I think, yes, these, from what I understand, these might be causes that are near and dear to you, too. You know, the um, the hospitality Worker, industry.
2: Right yeah yeah oh man yeah
1: the hospitality industry is supported by people of color and it's the Mm -hmm. second largest employer i think in the country after walmart and fast food nation reminded me of the the trek that some of the our, our citizens who come from point south mexico honduras guatemala what they do to get to this country for for just the opportunity uh, for a better life, I know. You know, as a, as one of the more most prominent Latino men in the in the country and in the world, you must feel something about that when you see that, when you hear that, when you know that that segment of our community is is not being appreciated um, for, for what they have, what, how they contribute. I mean, they've, you know, Latinos have taken jobs for years in the hospitality industry, quite frankly, that Americans just wouldn't do. Yeah. How do you feel about that? How did that, that movie resonated for me in, in that regard as well? Does that, you want to pick up on that a little bit?
2: Well, for, for me, it's interesting because one of the things that I've, I've uh, come to learn is that things are cyclical. And in the beginning, what I saw is horrible injustice. Now I've kind of got to say, okay, for that person, that injustice is paying much better than what they had at home. And that injustice right here is better than something else. So on some level, you know, thank God they even have that because like like with the minimum wage going up, I do believe that, you know, people should have subsistence living. Yet I also know that if, if we regulate too much, all with good intentions, we could kill the golden goose that lays the egg. So there has to be a balance between what you're doing and what you're making and how it's affecting society. So I, I know certain people that it, it would not phase too much to, to, to pay $15 uh, an hour to their help. And yet other folks will will go out of business. So it, it's it's a tough situation to be uniform about. But I'll tell you this much. There's some great, great people come from hardship and work. And who would I rather be, a trust fund kid who doesn't know how to appreciate all that he's inherited, or somebody who had to work as I did as a busboy. I never even made it to waiter before I became an actor. I was a busboy. I, you know, cleaned weird. I, I worked at a train station and a condition, sold hot dogs. I mean, I did whatever I could. There are other people who do even worse. Yet that makes something of you so that when you do get there, you do not take it for granted. Your children, the big risk that they have is you don't want them to to, to suffer but at the same time, without some suffering, there is no character. So mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't mean that I justify the abuse that happens to to our workers. No. But at the same time, I, I just go, man, man, what you know, how do we fix this without breaking it? Right. How do we you know, how do we help people earn a, a, a livable wage without making it impossible for others to keep the system alive? Because workers, you know. Management is a job, too. That's another thing. You know, being on one side of an issue, see, I'm a Libra. The Libra has to balance this and say, okay, I believe in this. But then again, what's the other side? Mm -hmm. So I run a risk of annoying uh, the folks that are very much on one side of an issue by looking at the other. But I say only by looking at both sides sincerely, not just glancing at the other side and thinking, yeah, yeah, I know what you're about. But really putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Can you appreciate you know, the the issue at hand. So for me, I see it as a mixed blessing. I see it as horrible that folks have to work for uh, sub living standard wages. Yet you go visit their houses and you see the love, you see what they could do on a shoestring budget and how much joy is in those families, how much connectivity and how much they'll fight with and for each other. You know, and there's just like, really, who's who's living the life? You know what I mean? I, yeah. I I'll tell you right now, and I won't name names, but I was I had dinner a few times with a certain billionaire family whose like grandson took me in, and like, oh yeah, come on, took me in, and they said I drove them around town while well, they didn't have their stuff here, you know, but I, I was like their big brother, and then he was like, come here, meet my. And I got to tell you, man, I saw this man berate the staff at a restaurant. I never wanted to be out in public with them again, ever. I don't care how many billions you have. You don't mm-hmm. talk to people like that. You don't talk to a grown man, a grown woman like that. I mean, berating them over some BS. Uh, 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 the, their food wasn't prepared exactly right or so. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but homie just had that right. Yeah. And he was blah, blah. I tell you, effing this one. Right. and I did not know where to hide. Mm-hmm. I did not know where to put my face, you know? And I'm like, going, oh, so if that's what success looks like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be fine right here, right, right below the, the, the radar. I don't need everyone to think I'm successful. I need to know I'm loved and I love. And to me, that's success. Whatever I do, I don't care whether it's a bus boy, I was the best bus boy I could be. You know what I mean? I cleaned those tables. I slipped them in in record time because I made a game out of it. I was still young and, you know, very hungry. That's the thing about fighters. If they're not hungry, you know what happens. Yeah. You know what happens to 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 to, to the guy who took out the the English cat, you know? He came back. He wasn't hungry enough. He he too busy enjoying success. You know? He he got knocked out, you know? It just it didn't work. So it's a real balance. When so, you To go back to your original question, sorry, I'm all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll be the name of my podcast, by the way. All over the place with these eyebrows. I'm taking too much time in my answers, but I, I hope but, you understand what I'm trying to say. That I totally you know, it, do. It, it, I think
1: that you know the the important thing that I that I got from this also was the importance of balance. You know, and I, because I do think when we're you know when we're shouting at one another, we're not listening to one another, and there are certainly Two sides to to the arguments, to the stories, to cases being made. Minimum, two sides, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, Issa, But as a restaurant,
2: know, can I ask you now, real yeah, quick? No, please. let me just turn this on you. Mm-hmm. As a restaurant owner, don't you think there are certain things that inhibit your ability to take care of your, you know, like, do you want more? I mean, how do you feel about the $15 an hour minimum wage? Should it be 20? Yeah. You know, what if it was 10? I mean, the restaurant business <laughs> lives and dies on immigrant help right now. You know that, Absolutely. Right? No, I I'm documented as well as documented. Yeah, I
1: had mixed feelings about the minimum wage because in, depending on the style of restaurant, you know, your front of house employees are taking home a lot more than the $15 an hour. There's, you know, when there's tips involved, but I also Mm -hmm. understood the other side of that. Well, not every establishment is that true. And in some cases, owners are taking tips and deciding whether or not they want to give those out. So I think we, you know, we have to continue to inform ourselves about the issues and you know not just look at it from our own point of view try to look at it from from the other side but uh yeah. you know I, having been in the hospitality business my whole life i just have an immense respect for the people that work in them and i've had employees of mine that would be sending money home to mexico and to guatemala and building houses on land that they own there and i just always admired uh, the unity and and uh, I, I love that workforce. But before I run out of time, because it's I could I could talk to you, man, for for quite a bit longer. Um, I think you're just such a fascinating cat. I wanted, I want to get just a a little quick. Um, and I don't I think I've got about a, a minute left. But how are you optimistic, Isai, given all that's gone on in the world? This last year, how how do you feel, man? Are are you feeling? I know you have a a young daughter, and we care. I have a son. We care about the future for our kids. Are are you? Are you optimistic?
2: Yes and no. I hate to say that. I hate to be, uh, you know, dualistic. But to be quick. I'm optimistic that eventually things will get better. I don't know how long it'll take. I know that we are living under an agenda. What's happening now is not by accident. Nothing that the major media all agrees to and corporations, big and small, all, you know, print their signs about distancing and masking and all these things. Nothing has that much level of cooperation without it being organized. And there is an agenda. And I'm not down with that agenda. Although when I drive in LA before the lockdowns and after the lockdowns, I'm like, maybe those lockdowns aren't so bad. I got to tell you, it's like, it's crazy. It's like, oh no, it's opening up again. What I wanted now, it's like, ah, many people. The question isn't that there's too many people and we have to kill a bunch. The question is, is, how do we organize ourselves into meaningful lives? You know, how do we stop... People who are not elected from controlling our and stealing our rights to breathe free, to be healthy, our rights to be free from mis and disinformation. Do you know that a law was passed not not you know not in this last administration but probably the one before that, where it's okay for the news to lie to us? They don't have to tell you the truth. Whether it's Fox or it's CNN, they don't have to. They're not obligated, just like the police are not obligated to risk their lives to save you. So I think when we clean up our media, when we allow you know the truth more room than things that are brought to you by the makers of this, that and the other, i think we will have a better society the question is when will we have had enough as true good and free human beings i want to be free to live my life as best i know i want not to be told i have to inject my child with certain things for their own good i want to be free to do my own research and to talk to my own experts. I don't want force-fed experts. So, I think uh, it, it, it's I, I, I'm optimistic no matter what happens, but I'm a little nervous about how many people allow themselves to be enslaved mentally. As Bob Marley said, "Emancipate yourself from mental slavery."
1: None but ourselves can free our minds.
2: Right? Amen, brother. Amen.
1: Brother. Isai Morales, I hope you keep talking, man, and uh, you've got some some very interesting. Things to say, and I know you're getting ready to travel overseas. My brother travel safely. We're going to be looking thank to you. see you in Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. Please stay safe, Isai, yes, and thank you so much, my brother, for doing this. Man, we we really appreciate it. Brad, stay blessed and stay open. Yes, sir. Peace, man. Yes, Peace. bye-bye. Ambassador Shabazz, and how we move? What's happening?
0: Good. I'm great, and you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm feeling pretty good today. Thank you for asking.
0: So, Mr. Morales had some
1: things to say, huh?
0: Oh, my God. I mean, you know, first of all, he's from our neck of the woods here in, you know, in New York region and there's always such a nostalgic smile i have when i listen to people no matter where we've traveled to in the world to be able to always anchor it's affirming about what new york brings us and you know in the slice of a two-hour film that or television show you know you think you know who isai morales is you know he's always been beautiful talented notwithstanding and um the interview just revealed the dimensions of the brother yeah. You know, yeah. from high school, meaning in, in, um, influences from his parents, mm-hmm. all the way to now, and how he carries himself and the dare to like change or grow with convictions, explore them whether they're popular or not because you're growing and um his evolution um expressed on the corner table talk and i'm sure it's with the comfort of talking to you that he you know dares to venture into these areas that he seemed to be really introspective and reflective and explorative Mm -hmm. you know and when i listened to him i realized you know some of it was discovery during giving language to during and i appreciated you know that you know so often we have Interviews and people have pat answers.
1: Right, as we're not. Did you no, no. Did you happen to catch him in Ozark?
0: No, I didn't see Ozark.
1: Yeah, he plays. he I mean, he's a nice guy, but he plays a convincing gangster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, as it is in his era when he started, people of color were gangsters. I mean, right, roles right. were not always the things that you champion. But as he said, you try to do them convincingly in the context of the role. Mm-hmm. What this gives us. But this interview today gives us or this conversation, this exchange, this brother to brother um, conversation just lets you know the dimensions of who he is as a New Yorker, as a Puerto Rican brother, um, as an actor, as a father. And I found it fascinating as as he spoke about just health and his approach to health and wellness and getting himself ready, not just for a role, but just to feel better, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so when we talk about the Caribbean um, or people of color in our diets and our cognizance of what, that we're in control of how we get to feel at any given time. And he said some really little cool nuggets on there that you referenced, you know, writing down and taking note. And I thought they needed to be on a t-shirt just (laughs) so that we are reminded, you know, detox and retox, you know, Mm. so... We, we know we need to be healthier, but after we do that detox, how do we get back to that place of de-retox? I mean, little little clever things he said, mm-hmm. but, you know, even um, more important, it makes me want to have a conversation with him because he seems to be a real journeyman, um, and um, I thought about vegan restaurants in, the, in Puerto Rico. Do they exist? And I came across this one called Dreamcatcher. Have you heard of it?
1: No. Mm -hmm.
0: Dreamcatcher. It makes me want to go down. You know, it's Mm -hmm. part of the United States. Tell me about it. Or something. Well, it's there in Old San Juan, Mm -hmm. and it's a small little bed and breakfast, and they focus on complete wellness. It's quaint, it's easy, it's it's breakfast and or brunch, not a full menu. But everything is fresh, and you get to be a part of what um, the selection of what those juices are, the meals, and it focuses on not just vegetarianism, but also gluten um, and other kinds of elements and enzymes for the body's wellness. I mean, do we ever hear about that in context to the Caribbean, unless it's a really large hotel chain or something? But this, I liked it. It's quaint. Um, the activities during the day just take you around the culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought about him in that context and how many more live like that. But we don't actually showcase the fact that we're trying to find that down home environment, but the environments that are good for us.
1: You know, unfortunately, you know, the the news that we've heard about Puerto Rico lately has not been, you know, the best obviously the, the hurricanes and you know the following um just the breakdown of the infrastructure there. But Puerto Rico is absolutely beautiful and old San Juan oh, yeah. is San Juan okay. is as charming as it gets. So take us a little bit further there with well, you. You
0: know in, in in that case it really is just about who's telling our stories, right? Mm-hmm. Who's Sharing our news. And so we have to do that. You know, so when you can go from one extreme and have a real um, health-conscious component, or like you and I with a sweet tooth, you can venture over to, you know, uh, Lulo's Sweets, you know, <laughs> young sister who, uh, Andrea Santiago, who has a kind of pastry menagerie of um, down there in- Oak Say that Park. again,
1: a pastry- Menagerie. Whoa.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, when I look at the menu-
1: You and I are right there, aren't we? <laughs> Pastry menagerie, know, you know, me, me, home,
0: miney and mo, right? You know, you <laughs> want to try all of it, and it ranges, you know, from the things that people would associate, such as a creme brulee, or things that were comfortable here in the United States, like a carrot cake, or much more custom to Latin culture, tres leches. And then there's so much in between pies and cakes. And, you know, I want to like hold on to the spatula. That's the kind of thing, you know, I want to stand around her. And so all of these things exist. And do we know the best of Puerto Rico? Do we know the best of Puerto Rico as a member of the Caribbean? Do we know the best of Puerto Rico as an extended American state Mm -hmm. or territory Outside of the devastations or in inclusive of the devastations, we should always be able to tell our stories. The wound and the triumph.
1: Yes, the wound and the triumph. The the health and the sweets. Not- <laughs> A little balance is what right. we're talking about on yeah, we how know. we move today. Right. <laughs> I'm not mad. <laughs> Ambassador Shabazz, as always, it's a pleasure, and uh, I think uh, we're, we're, we're stacking up these trips. But I, I, I think a, a visit to Puerto Rico is in order. What do you say?
0: No, absolutely, and we don't need a passport. And I speak a little Spanish.
1: Oh yeah, there you go. We're in. All right. Well, thanks so much, and uh, I will see you soon. Bye bye. Corner Table Talk is hosted by Brad Johnson, produced by Brad and Linda Ailes Johnson. Coordinating producer, Lauren Turner. Theme music, Life Goes On by Bryce Vine. Executive producers, Omar Thompson, Andrew Kalb, and Ken Johnson. Find the Corner Table Talk podcast wherever you get your podcast. Follow, subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. Corner Table
2: Talk is a Say It Loud Network production.